people. Uh, he allows sinners like us to do that. How about you guys? Are you guys thankful for that? That Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings allows us to say his name. That is huge. That is a big praise. And so as we move forward today, I want us to remember that. And I just want to address you, church. So we've been talking about these two churches coming together and becoming one. And in that, I want to put you guys to ease. We have people who are in the Second Clifton Baptist Church right now. We have ID Church, right? We have these two churches. And sometimes it can be scary for you, Second Clifton. It can be worrisome because you don't really know me. You don't really know my people. But God has called us to make steps of faith because it's not about the person, but it's about the God we serve. And I promise that we will work hard to gain your trust. But in that, I want you to know if we were to do this and we were to come together and become one body. We will be one church worshiping Jesus and serving Jesus. But the people who are here now, Second Clifton Baptist Church, I just want to speak to you for just a moment. We are not looking at you as a building of money or anything and us coming in and taking over. That's not our intention. We are looking at you to come be a part of what God is doing in the kingdom of Christ to join us as one family and one body. We're not going to come in here and say that you can't serve in our children's department because it's not my children's department. Whose is it? It's ours. It's the kingdom of God's. And we want you guys to serve because I'm going to tell you what, my babies need you. My babies don't have any grandparents. They have one who lives in Cincinnati. My Eliana would love to have some church grandparents. She talks about church every single day on Sunday. She's like, we're going to church. And I'm like, yes, we're going to church. And she's like, are we going to my church? Because she's taking ownership of this body. And she sees my wonderful people every Sunday. And they're great. They're energetic. They're there. But she would love somebody to just talk to Somebody who's older who wants to hug her and kiss her, right? Not right now because of Corona. But like after that kind of calmed down. Like she would love somebody to hug her and kiss her. Second Clifton, we need you as that. We need you to help us reach this community. We're not coming in and telling you to take a seat and go to the corner and us step up and start doing everything. We're coming in to work together as one body. So I want you to be rest assured. You will not just be pushed to the side. You will be empowered to serve with our kids. You will be empowered to serve in whichever area God has called you to serve in. And secondly, I don't care about this building and I don't care about that money. This is not why I'm coming here. I want you to understand that right off the bat. Money is not something that drives me. People drive me. And in that money, if it would be easier, I would rather you donate it to the Spartanburg Baptist Network, and we just start fresh, if that would make it easier for you. That's how much I don't care about it. Because I'll tell you what, I'm a church planter, so I started from nothing. And I'll tell you what, God provides in ways that I can't imagine. And I'd rather have one soul than one million dollars. You can tell me that right now. You can take that to the bank, and if you got any questions about it, you don't believe me, we can sit down and talk about it, because I promise you, one soul means more to me than any amount of money in the entire world, and I will do nothing Nothing to taint the body of Christ and the mission that he has called me to. And so I don't want you to worry about that. I want to, I want to put that to rest in you right now. We're not looking to come in here and gain money. We're not looking in here to gain a building. We're looking to come here and gain you. Yep. And all of the souls 
that are in this community who are far from Christ. Can you all, can you all give me an amen on that? Because yeah. I think that's what we're here for. I think that's what we're all here for. I think that's what we were put on earth for, right? God created us as perfect, but we got, brought sin into this world, right? We brought sin in. We started to disobey him. And then God still loved us enough. But he gave us a mission. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and in the Holy Spirit. And the most important part of this verse, teaching them to obey my commands as I have taught you. Woo! Oh, y'all feel that power from the Word of God? Because the Word of God never returns void. Every time we speak the Word of God, it's going to have an impact. It's going to have a movement. In Second Clifton ID Church, we are the church today. I don't want to cause any more separation. I only want to cause unity through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I hope now you feel some rest as we jump into Psalm 37. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 37. And here's the deal. This is either going to be 30 minutes or 3 hours. We'll see how it goes, okay? Because we're about to see what God's got for us today. Before we jump into the Word of God, I want you guys to know I am an imperfect human being. So through the preaching of God's Word today, I need the Holy Spirit. So can we take a moment and just pray for me? Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you are my God. Lord, I am weak. Father, and I am imperfect. Father God, the desires of my heart are not always for you, but Father God, through the transforming power of your sanctification, they become for you. Lord God, in this moment, I pray for a filling of your Holy Spirit with inside of me and with inside of this building. I pray for open hearts and open minds created by your Spirit. Father God, I pray that you would use me as nothing more than a microphone to amplify your voice. Father God, I take this call so seriously. Father God, I take the call to preach your word so seriously. Father God, I take the call to worship you so seriously through the preaching of your word. So Father God, let Ricky Wilson not get in the way and let Christ be glorified. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 37. It's a little crowded up here. Psalm 37. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither like green plants. They will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make you righteous. Rewards shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently in him. Do not fret with people. Do not fret with people who succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and trust in, and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. These words are so beautiful because this is from the psalmist David. And he's writing about his sinful self. So here at ID Church, the church, our vision is to love God and love other people. You've heard me say that a lot. If you go to my church, you've heard me say it about 13 times every Sunday. If you've met with me in meeting Second Clifton, you've heard me say it probably 750 times. Because love God, love others sums up the entire scripture. The greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Ephesians 5 echoes this once again between the marriage of a man and a woman. 
when Jesus tells the man to love his wife as he loves his own body, and he tells the wife to submit to the husband. See, these are beautiful symbols of unity. These are beautiful symbols of Christ in his church. See, as the church, we should submit to Christ, knowing that he will care for us the way that he cares for his own body. And so in Psalm 37, God is showing us another reflection of this love God and love others. See, because the church should be committed to doing that. The church should be committed to nothing else except for those two things, loving God and loving others. And from that will flow the kingdom of Christ. From that, through Christ, will flow the living water that flows from him into us and into others. From that will flow the Holy Spirit, which transforms hearts, minds, and souls. Psalm 37 is saying, don't worry when somebody else has success. Don't worry when somebody else does evil. Y'all feel me on that? Because I know how out of whack we get when somebody's doing something wrong. In the world, in the kingdom of Christ, wherever we get, we fret over that. We become anxious over that. And right here, through the psalmist David, God is telling us, don't worry about them. Because Jesus also said, I will make, God said to Jesus, I will make your enemy your footstool. Right? We don't have to worry about the evil that's done in the world. We just have to live the life that Christ has called us to live. When we live the life Christ has called us to live, he will transform our hearts. He will transform our minds. He will allow us to be vessels showing the power of Christ in the community. And I promise you right now, darkness cannot stand when light comes in. The light will expound all darkness. And so if we live as Christ has called us to live, it doesn't matter what other people do because the church will be the church and Christ will be glorified. And so he's saying, don't worry about those things. Don't fret when someone else does evil. He says, commit your ways to the Lord and trust in me and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what are the desires of our heart? That's a question that must be answered. What are the desires of our hearts? Well, if you're like me, you're a human being, so the desires of your heart are not always godly. Sometimes the desire of our heart is a house. Sometimes the desire of our heart is a car. Sometimes the desire of our heart is for someone to be taken out of position of power. Sometimes the desire of our heart is sinful. And so Christ will not give you sinful desires. John Piper says that, and he has a sermon titled Desiring God and a book called Desiring God. And his whole ministry is actually called Desiring God. And he argues this, that we only have one desire that is good. And that is our desire for God. That is our desire for God. But we are not born... Knowing how to follow that desire. We are born knowing that there's a God because inside of us is the law that God placed. Inside of us is the image of God that he put inside of us. But we are not born with a desire for God. We are born with a desire of selfish gain. We are born with a desire for selfish gain. A baby comes out of the womb. They don't care about you. They want milk. Because they're selfish. I'm for real. I love my children. But my children were born with a sin nature. They came out wanting sin. That's what they crave. That's what I crave. That's what you crave. They came out with that. And so the desire of our heart must be changed through the power of Christ. 
So when we begin to follow Christ, He begins to change our desires. Because we're all born sinners. We're all sinners. Kelsey, you're a sinner, right? Grayson's a sinner. We are all sinners. That means that we are all disobedient and in opposition to God. Until we have this experience with Jesus Christ who came and died on the cross for us. Where we give our lives to Him, where we enter into a relationship with Him. Then the desires of our heart change from the selfish ambition. They change to the desire, the heart of Jesus Christ. What does it look like to desire the heart of Jesus Christ? This is what it looks like to desire the heart of Jesus Christ. When you see somebody begging for money and you don't worry about what they're doing, you worry about their experience with God and you worry about their relationship with God. That's what it looks like to desire God. When you know that with your life you want nothing more than to follow Jesus, that's what it looks like to desire God. When you no longer care about your bank accounts, your houses, or your money, when you no longer care about your cars or what you're going to eat, that's when you know that you're desiring God. Because Jesus said, if I clothe the lilies of the field, and if the birds have food, how much greater are you than a sparrow? I'll provide for you. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all other things will be added. He says right here, trust and be still. Don't worry about doing, just be still and know that I am God. Commit your ways to the Lord. See, because when we desire God, we commit our ways to God, and God takes care of our wants and our needs. See, when we get to a place where in a relationship with Jesus, He becomes our sole desire. He becomes our sole desire. No longer, well, my vacation will look like this, and I'm going to do everything this year to save up for this vacation. No more, this is the person I want, and I'll do anything to get this person. No more, this is the career that I want, and I'll do anything to get this career. And then you're praying for God to give it to you while you're seeking the thing He will give you if you seek Him. Do you feel me on that? He didn't say pray for the desires of your heart. He said follow me, commit your ways to him, trust in him, be still, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Because when we seek Jesus, he'll give us the desires of our heart because he'll meet our needs in us seeking him. I, I have a house. Anybody else in here got a house? Some of you? I got a house, right? When I moved here, I lived in an apartment that I couldn't afford. With a one-month-old baby and a wife and no money. But I sought Jesus with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul, as the book of Matthew says. I sought Him with all my heart. Not looking to have a place where I could lay my head, but looking to transform hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what Christ did? He provided me an apartment. But then He provided me a house. But I wasn't seeking the house. I was seeking Christ. And He provided the house. Now, we don't seek Christ for the house, but we seek Christ knowing that he can provide for our needs. We seek Christ knowing that he can take care of it. I oftentimes meet with college students and they tell me about all the stuff that they have going on. And especially during coronavirus, it's really crazy. Connor, you know what I'm talking about, dude. So like he tells me about all the crazy stuff of college, having to do it online. And every time I meet with Connor, I'm like, man, well, that's, that's a lot. Just seek Jesus. Jesus isn't going to give Connor the answer to all his test questions, right? But in seeking Jesus, Jesus provides through his study the answers that he needs. 
But if he was just seeking to uh, succeed at school, then his spiritual life would go downhill and he would be healthy and he would not be healthy in any way and he would not succeed in any way because we cannot succeed without Jesus. And we can't just say we're going to bring Jesus along with us on our ride. Do you get that? We can't just say we're going to bring Jesus along with us. That's what that, this is what that looks like. I want to be a CEO of a company, so I'm going to do everything I can to be the CEO of the company. God provide for me in that. No, he won't. He will not. Because if you're seeking anything but him, he will not provide you him. And without him, you can have nothing. That's why the suicide rate in America is so high. Because we seek everything except for Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I love Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I want Jesus. When I first became a Christian, I didn't know how to seek Jesus because nobody gave me a Bible. For six months, I sat there wondering, God, I know you're there, but how do I seek you? I can talk to you, but how do I seek you? And it took him six months to answer, but when he answered, he provided a family to come alongside of me. He provided Sarah and her mom to teach me about the Word of God. I fell in love with the Word of God. And then my desires started to change. I no longer wanted all the money in the world. I just wanted more of Jesus. I no longer just wanted the heaven. I wanted Jesus. I no longer just wanted to stay out of hell. I wanted Jesus. So in loving God and loving others, we have to understand that's what loving God looks like, where all of our desire is for the Lord. You can still have wants. You can still save up for things. But make Jesus thy priority, as Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all other things will be added. Make Jesus your desire, and he'll provide all that you need. He's not going to give you a Lamborghini. He's not going to give you a Ferrari. He's not going to give you a million dollars. Probably not, okay? But he's going to give you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. Because you're greater than him than the lily of the field. You're greater to him than a sparrow. He provides for them. There's a perfect example of this in Scripture. There was a guy named Paul. You guys may have heard of him. He was originally called Saul. And Saul was a violent man. Saul was trained by the best Pharisees in the world, the best rabbis in the world in the ways of God. He knew Scripture. He knew the Old Testament better than anyone else. And when Jesus Christ came, when Jesus Christ died, he did everything that he could to place it under a rock so that nobody would know. He murdered people. There's a guy named Stephen in the book of Acts. Stephen becomes one of the first deacons, one of the first servants of Christ. So that the apostles could teach and dedicate their time to teaching and to prayer, they uh, voted in deacons. And these deacons were to serve the widows. And Stephen started to run off out his mouth about who Jesus was, just like we should. We should proclaim the word of God. We should proclaim Jesus. And Jesus, uh, Stephen starts to do this in front of some Pharisees. And so they stone Stephen. And you know who's there holding the coats for them? Saying, good job. Paul. He was called Saul at this point. You can read that in the book of Acts. So Paul is there condoning the killing of a man of God. And after that, Paul actually goes and he gets papers from the chief priest. And he's on his way to Damascus to 
imprison more Christians proclaiming the word of God and to murder some of them. And then Paul has this experience on the road to Damascus with Jesus. And Paul's desire of his heart is no longer his place, no longer his position, but it becomes Jesus. He gives up everything and he follows Jesus. Jesus takes the blinders, the scales off his eyes through a man named Ananias. And he starts to follow Jesus. Paul goes to prison a lot of times. And in Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at one of those experiences. So if you turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. If you don't got a Bible, that's cool too. You can listen to the sweet serenading voice of Ricky. (laughs) So Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. And because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in change. But one does it as a, but what does it matter? The important thing that in every way, from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as is always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am go on living the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to part, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of, your, with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through you... My being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. I don't even need to say anything about those verses. <laughs> They're so powerful in themselves. Paul is in prison. And he's saying my chains that I'm chained to the wall with have served for the advancement of the gospel. Think about that for just a moment. Think about the situation that you feel like is overwhelming. Think about your life in the areas where you feel like you have nowhere to go. Think about the times when you feel like there's no way out. You have a way out. You have a way out. You're not stuck. You're not condemned because Christ died for you. And your situation is being used to advance the gospel. When you change the perception of the situation, when you change the desire of your heart, the desire of your heart can't be to get out of the situation. The desire of your heart should be Christ. And in that desire, he's going to call you to do some hard things, just like he called Paul to do. Paul said, I just want to die. 
I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be at His feet. I'm tired of living on this earth. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the persecution. I'm tired of all these things. I want nothing more than to be with my Creator. But He says, but I know Christ ain't going to allow that. Because there's too many people who need the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There's too many people who need me to advance the gospel to them, to disciple them, to pour into them. So Jesus tells Paul, it's not time yet. You'll get there, good and faithful servant, but it's not time yet. Make me the desire of your heart. And Paul makes him the desire of his heart. And even prison can't stop him from advancing the gospel. It says that those chains were used, that all the palace guard came to know Jesus. That's what a desire of God looks like. When you feel like you got nowhere to go, when you feel like everything's falling apart around you, and you continue to live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ, that's what a desire of God looks like. It looks like where you get to the point where you can say, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's what a desire of your heart for God should look like. There's a lot of churches around the United States, around the world, who are in some tough situations. There's a lot of churches in Spartanburg County who are in some tough situations. There's some churches in Clifton and Drayton and uh, all these areas in Spartanburg County who are in some tough situations. You know what those churches need to do? Say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Not about what I have. Not about what I did, but it's about who Jesus is. And no matter the situation, I'll follow him unto death. Woo! Y'all ready to say that to Jesus? I'm ready to follow you unto death? That's a desire of the heart. That means it doesn't matter about anything else. It just matters about you. Church, what is our desire? What is our desire? In Matthew chapter 9, it says that this is right before Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. It says Jesus looked at the people with compassion. He says they're like sheep headed to the slaughter. Jesus had compassion on his people because they knew they were sheep without a shepherd headed to the slaughter. And then he says these words. Harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. Pray that workers will be sent into the harvest. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever prayed that workers would be sent into the harvest? Raise your hand if you have. Have you ever prayed that workers would be sent into the harvest? Thank you. Continue to pray that. Have you ever looked upon someone with compassion? Because you know that they were a sheep headed to the slaughter. Understand what that means. You know that that person has no relationship with Jesus Christ. And they are like a sheep headed to slaughter. Does that change your day? Does that change your day? Or do you just go home and have dinner? Does it change your day when someone is broken and in need of a Savior? I think I'm going to break this. Does it break your heart when that happens? Or do you just go on with your life? Today, that's a hard check for you and for me. 
When someone is in need of Christ, do I just continue on with my life and let them be a sheep headed to the slaughter? Or do I stop? No matter the awkwardness, no matter the situation. And do I say Jesus loves you? He loves you. He desires you. He thinks you're amazing. He just wants to be with you. You're separated from Him and in need of reconciliation through the Father God, but I can show you through the Holy Spirit how to get that. In the book of Acts, there was a, a eunuch. And he was sitting in a chariot. And he was reading the book of Isaiah. I think it was James. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And James walks up and he sees the eunuch and the chariot. And he says to him, what are you reading? He says, I'm reading Isaiah. And he says, do you understand? He says, no, how can someone understand this? It says a sheep will come like a sheep headed to the slaughter. And James says, hold on. Let me explain it to you. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ died for you so that you can have salvation through him. He stops and he talks to this eunuch. This eunuch. An Ethiopian eunuch. Different race. He stops and he talks to him and he gives them the kingdom of God. He gives him a relationship with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't continue on with his day. He shows us the desire of his heart. And the desire of his heart is Christ. I pray today that the desire of your heart is Christ. I pray today that you can be still and trust Christ to give you what you need. I pray that today you'll look at your situation just a little bit differently. Because no matter the pain that you're enduring, no matter the situation that you feel stuck in, no matter what's happening, Christ is using your story for his glory. Oh, can y'all get that with me? Do you hear that? Christ is using your story for his glory. See, he's refining you, he's preparing you, and he's going to use you in a way that you never thought imaginable because you don't have the self-confidence that you need that comes from Christ. Christ wants to use you. No matter your education level, no matter where you've been, and no matter where you're from, Christ wants to use you. No matter your age, Christ wants to use you. No matter uh, how smart you are, it doesn't matter. Christ wants to use you. No matter how young you are, Christ wants to use you. No matter how old you are, Christ wants to use you. Make him the desire of your heart and let Christ use you. When I look at that community, I have compassion. When I drive through these neighborhoods and I see the toys outside that are broken, when I see the people outside that are broken, when I see the houses that are falling down, when I see the people in need of a savior, it does nothing but drives me and makes me happy that I'm a follower of Christ because we need followers of Christ who are ready to be followers of Christ. This community is a harvest. I've been praying for the workers. Y'all ready to work? I, oh my goodness, that breaks my heart right now. Oh. Are you guys ready to work? Yep. Yes, sir. Yes. I'm not calling for hard labor. 
I'm calling for a desiring heart for God that you're ready to be, that you're ready to do the things that Christ has called you to do. It doesn't look like what he's going to call me to do. It doesn't look like what he's going to call Grayson to do. Kathy, it doesn't look like what he's going to call you to do. He's going to call, it doesn't look like he's going to call Kevin to do. Kevin, Christ calls us to different missions, right? But the church is all called to one mission. We might have our separate ways that we serve, but he calls us all to one mission. But we can all serve together to reach the community. And let me just remind you, I, okay, I'm just going to be real with you guys right now. I'm just going to be straight up. If you guys don't like me, you can kick me out and never have a conversation with me again, and I'll be totally content with it. But I need you to hear this from a pastor's heart, because here's the deal. I can go back to Drayton, and I'm going to be just fine. So I'm going to be real. The desire of God's heart is for two bodies to come together and be one. Uh, somebody said it to me. We don't want to dilly-daddle around. I think Kathy said that at our last meeting. And I don't want to dilly-daddle around. I know what the desire of God's heart is. God doesn't want churches to die. God wants people to come together as one and to work for the community. Paul, you might yell at me for saying that. I'm not really sure, but I'm just going to be real. Christ wants people to come together to reach the harvest which is plentiful. Christ wants Churches to be churches. Christ wants this to be used to the potential of his kingdom. Christ wants this to be used as a worship sanctuary where God is worshipped, where people are enabled to come in, and where people's lives are changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That should be the desire of your heart. That's the desire of my heart because that's the desire of God's heart. Let's pray.